A star-spanning saga of ancient magic and deep science, vividly told by a modern master, says Dave Gibbons. Kelly Sue DeConnick states, the kind of epic you crave, both noun and adjective. And that doesn't even quite capture Liam Sharp's astonishing scope and vision. There's magic in these pages. Matt Fraction calls it jaw-dropping and epic and massive. He also says this is a gorgeous and incredible and massive swing for the stars that declares his ambitions have taken him to some exciting and undiscovered territories. Bravo, congrats, cheers, and exhale. This is glorious. What are they all talking about? Liam Sharp's upcoming six-issue series, Starhenge, from Image Comics. Liam himself says of the series, I wanted to do my own Image comic for 30 years. I wanted to do a Merlin comic for even longer than that. This is a culmination of so many dreams and ambitions of mine finally being realized, and that makes it the most exciting and personal comic project I've ever done. I can't wait to see it on the shelves. It's also been described as a mashup of the Green Knight and Terminator with all the Arthurian legends, time travel, and killer robots that entails, plus Merlin, Magic, and Mayhem. The first issue debuts in comic shops on July 6th, with final order cut off on June 13th. So now's the time to tell your retailers to order you a copy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. I have a real treat for you today. We're going to be talking about a, a beloved Walking Dead character, a Walking Dead property that's coming back to life. Uh, and I have the award-winning Tilly Walden, who's an amazing uh, writer and illustrator, joining me for the first time on the show. Tilly, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, this is uh, when I first heard about this. So for those that, that aren't aware, Skybound is starting its own YA young adult line uh, of graphic novels. And this is the inaugural edition uh, here uh, of Clementine, who is, uh, again, a very beloved Walking Dead character uh, from the Telltale uh, video games, which was a, a very well-received series. But unfortunately, Telltale kind of folded before they ever got to finish the story. And, and Robert Kirkman always said, hey, we'll get, we will finish telling Clementine's story. And so uh, that's what Tilly's going to do. So I'm curious, Tilly, were you, uh, like, what's your experience with Walking Dead? Um, did you, were you aware of Clementine? Were you aware of the series? Was it something you were a fan of? You know, I wasn't aware of Clementine, but I was aware of the series. I remember when I was a little kid, my dad started reading The Walking Dead and I picked it up after him. Maybe at slightly too young of an age, but you're never too young to learn right. about death and re being reborn when you're dead and all that stuff. And then I remember watching the show. And so The Walking Dead has always meant a lot to me and I've always known about it. And so the name Robert Kirkman was like in my head and now I know him and it's just like Robert. So that's, that's a change, but I didn't know about Clementine. I'm not the biggest gamer in the world. My twin brother is actually much more of a gamer than me. And it was only when they asked me, the folks at Skybound reached out to me just sort of out of the blue was like, have you heard of Clementine? Any, any interest? And I was like, I haven't heard of Clementine, but pause for one second and let me play all the games right now. <laughs> and so I turned around and uh, played all the games and I came back to them and was like, all right, 
let's do this. This is great. <laughs> I was totally convinced. So one of the reasons that Clementine is so beloved is she's kind of this emotional anchor, not, not just for the game, but for the whole Walking Dead universe. Did you find that she resonated with you right away? Did you have that same experience that a lot of others did? Absolutely. And in the games, there's a lot of characters, but when you play them, it's not surprising why Clementine stands out and why we care about her so much. I feel like it's this dual thing where we both want to be her and want to protect her. Clementine inspires in people a lot of parental energy, but also a lot of um, not what's the word when you like want to live as her because she is she's a survivor. She's a badass, but she's also kind of naive and she's kind of funny and. And so she like she both doesn't need our help, but she also desperately needs our help. And I think as a person playing a game, it's really inspiring to have a character who almost feels like they need you, but they don't entirely need you, if that makes sense. Well, I think there's a, a yeah, I'm not the biggest gamer either. Uh, and yeah. I've only played a little bit, but I think it goes to relatability, right? Because at times we all feel like, hey, we can conquer the world. And, you know, we're a positive force. And of course, why wouldn't you want to be my friend? And other times we feel like so much less, like we are, you know, we're stressed and, and whatever. So I think it's this relatability uh, of, yeah, we all have our ups and downs. And and Clementine certainly is is an example of that. And I also think that we meet Clementine when she's so young and even through the four seasons of the game, she's a teenager by the end of it. And it's just like a primal instinct that when you meet a character as a child and you watch them grow up, you can't help but feel attached um, and invested in how she's going to be in the future. Yeah. And we, we mentioned Comet, the young adult line. And uh, for listeners, uh, we'll be, I'll be exploring more of that with some, some people, uh, some editors from uh, Skybound that'll come on and and talk about the line. in, in, in more in broad terms. Uh, but I want to talk about just like YA in general, you know, that's where you've really kind of made your career and, and created some you know, incredible stuff, um, Sunbeam and whatnot. Uh, and we were talking before we started recording about needing to bring in these, these younger readers and you always have the doom and gloom, right? Ever since I started reading back in the seventies, Oh, the com- yeah. comics industry is coming to an end, you know, that sort of thing, but really nothing could be further from the truth. A lot of these uh, young adult graphic novels, you know, Dogman and anything <laughs> Raina Telgemeier does seem to uh, explode. And, and your stuff is no uh, exception. So uh, there really is is space for as many stories in the young adult uh, venue as possible. You know, you mentioned so reading true. Walking Dead at, at sort of a young age. Do you feel that the themes and, and what I mean? I've saw, seen some preview pages. It's, you know, it's not like the show where it's super gory and bloody or whatnot. Yeah. I think the themes, they're important themes that can be relatable for younger readers. And, and this isn't something where, you know, parental guidance suggested sort of thing. You know, in that early teens, I, I think yeah. these are important things to be exposed to. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I also think about the fact that when I was 11, I read The Hunger Games and I adored it. And it's like about kids killing each other to survive and and uh, like a, a dictator. I mean, young adult books, prose has been dealing with seemingly adult themes for a really long time. But I do think because comics are visual, for some people, it feels like more of a leap because we have to see it happen. And yet it works so beautifully. And the success of the young adult and middle grade industry in comics is is an example for that. Like there's a reason Raina's book books exploded, like series like Amulet, even going further back and looking at something like Bone by Jeff Smith. I mean, these comics capture something so special. And one of the reasons I really like being a young adult cartoonist 
for the most part, is that it's young adult, but adults can read it. I mean, Mm -hmm. anyone can read it. And I love that comics are starting to feel more accessible. I mean, comics history has been this really weird pendulum where it used to be that people thought comics were only for kids and comics were junk. And then the graphic novel came around with like mouse and things like that. And then I was like, Oh, graphic novels are for adults. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting to a place where people are like, Oh wait, graphic novels and comics are for everybody. And I think it would have been really hard to make the kind of work I wanted to make. We were talking about this before we started recording. If I had been doing this 20 or 30 years ago, because when I started making comics, the idea that I would have teenage protagonists, that I would deal with themes of youth and coming of age and trauma and queerness was everyone was like, okay, great. (laughs) Make your book. Um, I couldn't be happier that I'm making comics right now in the year 2022. Yeah, it really is a, a golden age of story, like we said, because uh, the other thing is at the end of the day, we all love story like we all yeah. love to, to relate. And I say this all the time. I'm sure my listeners get tired of hearing it, but I really think you can sort of judge a society and what they value by the fictions that they create and what's important to them by the stories they're telling. Um, and so exploring these ideas now, you know, of belonging, uh, of, you know, wanting to protect our, our youth in a in a uh, ever more divisive and sort of dangerous world in a way, which the walking dead is really uh, an analog for that. So as you were playing through these games, knowing that you had the offer on the table, were you already in the back of your mind thinking, okay, what is it specifically I want to explore? How do I want to, you know, put the period on the end of the sentence for Clementine? Because again, there's got to be a little bit of pressure because she is such a, a beloved character in the, in the franchise, right? Yeah, tons of pressure. But I also, I think it's a testament to the games that I think when I started playing it, Clementine shows up, she's in the treehouse, she's got her walkie-talkie. I was like, okay, okay, like I'm going to keep track of this. I'm going to understand Clementine and then think about the graphic novels. I got so distracted (laughs) by the games. I completely lost track of the fact that they were asking me to make three graphic novels about Clementine. And it wasn't until I finished the games and looked back that I was like, oh, what? I don't know. I mean, initially it it was like, well, I can't make the games again. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that went on with Clementine in the games. Like, how can I build off of that? And I talked to them about it. My cat's trying to get in the closet behind me. Don't even think about it, Tatiana. It's never going to happen. Um, I guess I, I realized that I had to marry these two ideas. One of bringing Clementine's future to the graphic novels and also just making a book that I thought would be fun to make. And so the conceit for the series came out of what was interesting to me at the time, kind of combined with what I learned about Clementine's history. So in a way I did have to kind of step back from the games and think about the kind of book that would work for me, but it's really different because the games, you know, was made by a team of people. And if you've played the games, you get to make choices for Clementine. People played as her, Um, people made choices uh, for people around Clementine. I mean, her fate was like in the hands of the player basically. And I think it's really different to, oh my God, now my cat's using the litter box. This is great. You're getting a full picture of life with cats. I think it's really different now for people to trust Clementine in my hands because it's just me really that's making the decision. I have all the help I need at Skybound with my editors, but I think that's where the pressure comes from in that I am now the only player of the games. And this is something that was brought up in a previous interview I was doing where he was like, you're the only player left. And it's like, 
It's true. And it's, it's a daunting, it's a daunting task. Well, I'm sure you, you, like many, uh, you know, creators have uh, sounding boards, people whose judgment you trust to, to yeah. bounce ideas off of. And here's, here's what's great about the walking dead. You know, we talked about the relatability of it, especially with the, the state of the world today. It doesn't, you don't even need to necessarily have a familiarity with, uh, with the walking dead or Clementine herself to be able yeah. to just say, Hey, look at this story. Think about it, you know, coming of age survival story, you know, yeah. does this work? So I'm sure you have the, you know, support system uh, in place, right? Totally. And I also like, when I started to think about it, I was like, basically what they're asking me to do is to write like a traumatized queer teenager coping with her past in the apocalypse. I mean, that couldn't be more exciting and interesting to me because so much of the problems Clementine faces are similar to the problems kids face now, but -hmm. it's got this fascinating twist to it where I mean, she doesn't have a guidance counselor. She doesn't have a mom or dad to come home to. Uh, She's all on her own, which is also kind of the ultimate teen fantasy of being in charge of your destiny like that and deciding who's going to be your family now, where are you going to go, who are you going to be? I mean, it's kind of thrilling. Yeah, it really is. And there's so there's this vague idea in the story that she's she's going north. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now you live in New England. Seven years have gone by since the beginning of the, the, you know, the zombie apocalypse or what have you. Uh, Any chance we're going to see some like familiar New New England landmarks, maybe that are, you know, completely scarred from seven years of uh, zombies ravaging the earth? Oh, yeah. I mean, this book takes place almost entirely in Vermont, about 30 minutes from where I live. Well, 45 minutes, let's be generous. Um, So absolutely. I was really interested because so much of The Walking Dead is takes place in the South. um, Mm -hmm. And I grew up part of the time in Texas and I I loved the focus um, in, in the series and in the show. But I was like, what's going on up north? What's going on with Canada? What's going on with all these other places? So I was really excited. Oh, hello, kitty. Um, I was really excited to explore that idea and, and think about snow and walkers. I mean, what on earth goes on with a, with a frozen icicled zombie? Ouch. Yeah. Now, uh, it's going to be a series of three novels. So when you, uh, you know, you played the games, you've started coming up with your ideas how challenging was it? Like, did, did you have more than enough material? Did you think to fill three? Was it okay? I'm not I mean, sure. I have to flesh it out. What was it? What's the structure? What are we talking about here? If I'm being perfectly honest, we all wrote one book and we did a great job with book one. And then, and then we had to wrestle with the fact that it's a series and everyone at Skybound was like, what do you have, Tilly? And I was like, uh, I'm not sure. Let me brainstorm for a few months. And and I did set some things up in book one, some some narrative stuff that I really wanted to explore in the future books. But there was so much that was unanswered. But in a way, I mean, if I was going to like find a way to convince myself that this was the right way to do the series, so much about Clementine's story to her is unsettled and unclear. And it is kind of exciting to write the series almost as her and figuring out what book two is as Clementine is sort of entering this. I can say, can I say this? I don't know. I'll say it anyways. Book two takes place in a different location. Um, and so does book three. So her journey, her journey is continuing. Oh God, what if they're going to get mad at me for saying that? I don't know. <laughs> We're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's not a spoiler. Um, but now that I figured out book two, the Skybound team was like, 
pause for a second and figure out book three before you before you jump too hard into book two. And I was like, yeah, OK, so so the rest of the series is figured out. Um, I know how it's going to end. I know, you know who's going to live and who's going to die. Um, I actually have a, a very messy notebook in front of me full of notes from my editor about uh, book two because I'm currently uh, editing it to get ready to ink it. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, I certainly, you know, we always go spoiler free here. Uh, and certainly we don't want to get anybody in, in any sort of trouble, but you wonder, or I wonder as a reader, you know, again, Clementine's so beloved and, you know, Kirkman was said, we, you know, when, when the, um, when telltale folded up, no, we'll give you the end of Clementine's story, but I mean, are we ever really going to get the end? You know, if she's a popular character and people want more, you know, this might be the end of, of your journey with her, but you know, there may be other creators that pick it up later on, or there's always the chance to go back and tell stories earlier and fill in some of the gaps. So it's true. You know, I and that a, I know I can't comment on. I may have some information, but I definitely can't say anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, something more uh, in a traditional comic book uh, format. But again, it, it speaks, I think, to the relatability of the character that, yeah. you know, you can take this this one, you know, young, queer character who's who's struggled uh and tell so many different stories with her you know and there is a whole i think segment of walking dead fandom that aren't gamers that aren't even really aware that maybe got into it from the comics or the tv show they're going to see this yeah. wait this is a new walking dead character right right i know it's really interesting to think about i believe the walking dead started in 2003 and it's 2022 now and it's like and here we are with clementine and it's like what's it going to look like in five years what's it going to look like in 10 years um it's it's surreal but it does remind me about how lasting the idea of the apocalypse and zombies are i know some people get sick of zombies and they're like that's it that's enough i don't need zombies anymore but for me in my mind walkers are a really beautiful depiction of fear um, mm -hmm. and death and life. And they're right there in front of us. It's like, so it's so clear in their world, what they're facing, what their enemy is. Whereas right now as a person, not in the apocalypse, it's like it, it, I think of carbon monoxide. It's like enemies that we can't see social enemies, political enemies. And there is something I think that will always be really comforting about the apocalypse because the enemy is right there. And as long as the Walking Dead series lives on, then it tells us that we will live on in the apocalypse, that regardless of what happens, we will be OK. It's like it's ultimately kind of uplifting, despite the amount of, uh, of violence and gore that happens. Yeah. When you stop and think about it, you're 100 you're percent right. It's this idea of, you know, kind of the unbreakable human spirit. You know, we're not going to give Absolutely. up. Absolutely. You know, no Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so when it got announced, obviously, th this is something, you know, different, different. And, and you're a, a different sort of creator than anyone who's really worked on The Walking Dead comic before. Uh, what was the re reaction? Did you hear any community reaction from from Walking Dead fans or whatnot? You know, that's sort of that's sort of skybound speed. I really, I really just stay in this room right here and draw. Um, I am sure I'll have I'll have plenty to report on after I travel this summer for the Clement for Clementine um, and the book tour. But for the most part, I've been very, I like, I know a bit about what people have thought, but I have really been focused on getting these books in on time because they're coming out yearly. So the second I was done with book one, we, we started on book yeah, two, that's a big um, lift. but 
hopefully, hopefully it's good. I think as with anything, it's a mixed, it's a mixed bag. And I'm excited to be able to actually talk to people about it face to face uh, this summer, <laughs> COVID willing. I'm going to knock on like all the wood, like stay away, please stop pandemic. Um, but it'll be fun. And it will be strange. I think similar to how after the pandemic, everyone like emerged a little socially awkward. Mm-hmm. I have been so in this room drawing for so long. It's going to be, I'm going to have to remind myself how to like make eye contact and, and talk to fans and see how they're feeling, but I can do it. Yeah. Can't looking forward, looking forward to it. I'm sure. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. It'll be good. Um, it'll be good. And then I'll, I'll return to the little mountain where we live and keep drawing Clementine. Yeah. Now, uh, kind of in that, that same vein uh, of being a different sort of creator, uh, what were the challenges in adapting the world to, to, to your style, both, uh, visual storytelling, as well as, uh, uh, scripting, you know, the kind of the narrative portion. Oh, both, both had really unique challenges. I would say narratively, I am very accustomed to, to meandering in my plots because, I don't know, because I can and because mm-hmm. I, I I like stories about people who are like sleeping a lot um, and taking it easy um, and just like thinking, thinking gay thoughts. So narratively, I think part of what's so strong about The Walking Dead is it it's kind of a nail biter and mm-hmm. you're really excited to find out what's going to happen next. So my editor, Alex, worked really hard with me on book one and and now on book two to try to really tighten up the plot, if that makes sense, to really be considered about how each moment leads to the next moment. So that was one thing. And then visually, it's really hard to draw someone holding a weapon and hitting someone else in the head. It is like an endless struggle for me. I've taken so many reference photos. Uh, I'll continue to get better at it. I bet by book three, I'll have it down. I don't have it down yet. Um, so logistically, like the the realism in the world is is tricky. It's hard. What I have discovered is drawing walkers is pretty fun. I mean, they're so goopy and they're so they're so whatever you want them to be, especially when you use a lot of spot black, um, sort of solid areas of black in a comic to kind of be like, oh, look, uh, it's in shadow. Oh, it's blood or guts. I don't know what it is. Um, so that's been fun. But yeah, nailing down the action has been really has been really interesting. And I've also learned a lot about, uh, about drawing because Clementine is, uh, is an amputee. And so we've talked to people with that experience to really learn how, how a prosthetic works, what it's like with her residual limb, how she takes care of it, how to draw, how, how it actually works when she uses a cane. She doesn't use it, um, on the side with her residual limb. She uses it on a good side. Um, so that's been another really interesting learning curve. Well, when it comes to drawing walkers, I guess what's cool about it, at least in my you know, limited artistic experience would be nobody can tell you we you drew that wrong. Well, no. I know it's awesome. It's great. It's great. What I have to make sure is that I just don't draw the same zombie over and over again. Over, I think the yeah. trap that a lot of cartoonists fall into that I certainly fall into is like, you know how to draw two kinds of trees and yeah. every forest is just made of those trees. There's a lot of kinds of trees. <laughs> Uh, in terms of, of you know, rap, ratcheting up that tension, like you were talking about, it's different than, than what you've done before. Um, I think that goes back to the fact you, you took the time to play the games. And that's certainly an aspect of the game. You know, even when you finish one game, it really cliffhanger leads into the next. So I think, you know, if you capture that, then you're probably, you know, on your way. I hope so. And, you know, I wanted to find a way to capture that intensity, but also stay true to the fact that. Clementine does have a lot more downtime and a lot more kind of 
thoughtful, introspective time in these books than she does in the games. Um, and I think that's just one of the beautiful things about a graphic novel that's really different from a video game is I can take the time to just take two spreads to figure out what it's like for her to go to sleep and to wake up and to wrap gauze on her residual limb and to try walking with the cane for the first time. I mean, there's so much, I mean, ideally I would have loved to make these books like 600 pages each. That's not going to fly right. for you know many reasons, <laughs> but still, even within the sort of 240, 300 pages, I'm not sure how long it is within those pages. I still have time for Clementine to have to have some me time it sounds ridiculous but i do think she gets she gets time for herself well that brings it back to the relatability if she doesn't have any kind of character moments or or you know time to herself so to speak uh then you know where's our in it just becomes kind of this action story which isn't necessarily a bad thing but it's yeah. you know not the story you really want to tell yeah i think i think i thought going into it that the apocalypse was like just all action and i after I thought about it a little more and thought about all the Walking Dead books I'd read and all, all of the show, I was like, no, actually, the apocalypse can be really boring sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it can be really, it can be really tedious. It can be, I don't know, all sorts of things. It's not, it's not always what people expect. It's really fun writing these books. Now, was there a point when you were uh, building it out, whether it was during outline or working on story beats or what have you, or maybe it wasn't until you started illustrating. Was there a point when you started working on it where you, it clicked and you felt like, okay, now I've got the momentum. Now I feel like I, I oh. or was it a little more of a, a challenge? That's interesting. I feel like when I wrote the outline for book one, I was like, I, I love the story. I feel super invested. And then I went directly from the outline to penciling the book. Mm -hmm. I, I write the dialogue while I pencil um, and sort of flesh everything out that way. And while I was penciling, I felt like I was losing track of it. And I think this is very common, a common feeling if you make graphic novels or comics or stories of any kind in that you go from feeling like you're the master of this universe to feeling like you're really lost um, and then it's a really slow process of, I felt like I was climbing this wall and every day and every week when I draw another page and my editor would give me some feedback, I'd be like, I'm closer, I'm closer, I'm closer. And I think it was maybe after we had edited the pencils the whole time around and come back and I could kind of redrawn a lot that I was like, okay, here it is. And I, there was some work I had to do on, on this side character, Rika. And I think it was when I was really figuring out Rika and her relationship with Clementine um, and the climax of the book that I was like, here it is. I get it. And then inking the book was just like a victory lap. It's like, great. I'm proud of this book. Now my job is to make it as beautiful as I can possibly make it. So the second book has been easier or are, do you still... You know, I thought it was easier until I called my editor yesterday and he was like, great, only 400 things for you to fix. Um, it It is easier in some ways because we've done this dance before, but every making any book is hard. It's so it's so hard because there's so much you want to do and there's not enough time. And yet each scene is never quite enough. It's mm -hmm. not as much as you want it to be. So right now with book two, I, I have been kicked back a little bit and now I need to climb my wall upwards. Um, what is nice and what I'm happy about is after making book one, I feel so much more comfortable drawing Clementine, drawing the side characters. Um, I, feel, I feel very at home 
in the in the characters from book one but then of course all the new elements of book two um is what's making it is what's making it tricky well you want to have some familiarity right with what you're working on but then as a creator you want to challenge yourself and make sure there's you're trying new things and there's new experiences so you so you can stay excited about it and that passion comes through for us as readers I hope so. I hope so. I do want each book in the series to be distinct, but we'll see what happens. We'll wait until all three are out and you can tell me if they're distinct. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. You got yourself a deal. All right. Uh, Well, Tilly, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Best of luck with the series. I can't wait to to read the whole thing myself. Uh, You mentioned the book tour. I'll put a a graphic, everybody in the show notes that shows all the dates. There's going to be both some East Coast states and some West Coast states coming up in June and July. Uh, anything else you're working on? Anything else that you want to uh, let people know about? Maybe where they can look at some of your past work? Yeah, I mean, my my Instagram is is the main place. And, and outside of my Clementine books, I'm doing two middle grade graphic novels that are written by the, uh, the musicians Tegan and Sarah, if you have ever heard of them. Um, and that's been really fun. Super different from Clementine, but really fun to go back and forth between the world of Walkers and Death and the world of Calgary, Canada and middle school. So who knows? Maybe there's some common element between the books somehow. But for the most part, Clementine is what I'm working on and I can't wait for you to read it. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, it was my pleasure. And so uh, social media wise, if anybody wants to follow your work, your Instagram is the the best place. Absolutely. Just my name, Tilly Walden. Not a lot of Tilly Waldens out there, luckily. Easy to get my handle. Great. And if you're having any trouble at all, everybody, uh, I'll put a link to Tilly's uh, Instagram in the show notes as well. So uh, again, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, We really appreciate it. Best of luck with uh, the graphic novel series. And again, listeners, we'll, we'll be talking more about the, the comment line in, in broader terms coming up here pretty soon. So we want to thank you for listening as always, and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.